and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Leroy Vazinia to my Liam Vazinia. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Still feeling ill, Justin? I feel terrible. Yeah, this is this is strange. I've not I've not yeah. recovered or feel any better. It's this is not good. You don't sound as bad as you did on Thursday's episode, to be fair to you. But my throat feels worse, which is bizarre. If there are any doctors that are listeners or even someone with a medical background, please um Please get in touch. Justin, doctors are too smart to listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the number one championship-specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be doing a news roundup of the past couple of weeks in the championship. I think this is what we're going to do for the foreseeable future over the summer, where we have kind of a news roundup every Sunday and then have something silly during the week um so you can get used to that and there's been plenty of news for us to talk about this week we'll start off by talking about derby county and then we'll talk about the manager situations at multiple clubs as numerous different clubs still try to sort out who's going to be in charge for them next season and then we'll finish off with some of the transfers from the past few days so as i say we'll start off by talking about derby county and the situation there um will say if you're not bothered about the Derby situation, which I completely understand and know it's not for everyone's uh, taste, then feel free to skip on to the second half of the show, which is when we'll talk about managers, etc. Um, but as I say, the Derby situation, quick disclaimer, we're recording this on Saturday. It's obviously a fast moving situation, so things may have very well changed by the time you listen to this. But everything we say on this podcast is relevant at the time of recording. So it was reported on Wednesday that Chris Kirchner's deal to buy Derby is expected to collapse. His period of exclusivity to close the deal has since been taken away to let other parties engage with administrators. He was given until 5pm on Friday to provide the funds needed to complete the deal and that hasn't happened. So now the administrators are supposedly talking to other parties and other parties are said to still be interested. One of them is Mike Ashley, whose bid has apparently been ignored by administrators. Sky Sports are saying it's because he's refusing to pay the fees that they're demanding. Uh, the Telegraph is saying similar for Andy Appleby, who used to own Derby. He's also part of a consortium who's supposedly interested, but again, has been trying to get in touch with the administrators, but is being ignored. Where do we start with this, Justin? <laughs> it's all gone to pot very quickly hasn't it even more than it had gone to pot previously yeah which is saying something isn't it it's it's bizarre that firstly the administrators consumer aren't engaging with interested parties i think that is i don't know i don't know how to describe that um without being libelous to be honest with you it is absolutely disgraceful and incompetent and negligent that they're refusing to even engage with with interested parties not refusing, just deciding not to, which is, as I say, really strange. And they're still, it feels like they are still holding out for Chris Kirchner because that is the best deal for them. That is the best deal for, for creditors and that is the best deal for Mel Morris. That's what it feels like because Mike Ashley is well rumoured that he's obviously, as you've said, doesn't want to pay the, the um, administrator's fees. Don't know why you would because the club's been in administration for eight months. They've missed deadline after deadline after deadline. Interested parties have been and gone. Um, and we're in this position. So, to summarise it in, in one word, it is actually two words, dangerously incompetent. Oh, absolutely. This whole administration has been a shambles from start to finish, hasn't it? And there's been an overwhelming amount of evidence that these administrators are just completely incompetent. Because 
we talk about the missed deadlines for a start. The missed deadlines thing was just an absolute joke. How many times did we say on the show, Justin, the administrators have set a deadline for so-and-so to happen, whether it's a preferred bidder or the next step in the process, and it's just been completely missed and then pushed back a few weeks and then missed again. Mm. It happened on so many occasions that it was just getting beyond a joke. So that was the first you know, crime for incompetence. And then when they have actually announced the preferred bidder, they've announced a guy who just hasn't been able to pay, <laughs> quite frankly. As he, even if Chris Kirchner may very well end up being the owner of Derby County. But if even if he does, why on earth has he not been able to prove yeah. the funds of this deal? And then there's also been the reports that his company, I can't remember what the company's called off the top of my head, so that's the one. The company that he runs in America has apparently not been able to pay for the wages of the com- of the of, of its employees. Yeah. So there were just so many strands to this of why these administrators should have never been allowed in football in the first place, let alone of a football club the size of Derby County. I mean, that's beside the point anyway, but you see what I mean. And it's got to the stage now where they should not be allowed to be in charge of the administration of any company, let alone a football club, because this is just an absolute disgrace that it's got to this stage. And adding all adding into all of this, they're making upwards of eight million grand, eight million pounds from a Derby County alone, and God knows what they're getting from the other parties who they're also charging to, you know, bid for the club. Yeah, and I think the worst thing is if Derby do go into liquidation, the administrators will be the first one to get paid, um, and that is that is genuinely fact. <clears throat> and I think the th- the thing that worries me out of all of this is the fact that they've got this far um, and promised several things. If you go way back to September when Derby initially went into administration, they promised, well, they promised. They said, "Well, we'll you know, we're aware of the situation. We we know how complex it is, but we expect to name a preferred bidder by." by the end of January. And obviously we get to Christmas, where there was that deadline on Christmas Eve, everything will be done in a few days, etc. Um, and, and and we're here now. And in fact, one of the administrators actually went on Radio Derby and said after the Steve Gibson issue, this it will be plain sailing from here. It will be very smooth. It is, I don't, I don't know how to, I don't know how to summarize it about swearing and being angry. Um, and this is really important for all football supporters because if your club does end up in this situation, these are the people that will be queuing up to get a payday. And this is why the EFL need to introduce some form of legislation that protects clubs from vultures like administrators. And we all talk about other, other clubs being vultures and, and what have you, you know, trying to get players at a bargain price and training grounds at a bargain price, etc. But the real, the real vultures are administrators and there needs to be some form of legislation that protects these community assets um, and this is why we're still talking about Derby now even though they have been relegated it is really really topical and important that every fan is aware of the situation because it can easily happen to their club absolutely and the administrators are meant to be the sensible party when a club mm-hmm. goes into administration they're meant to be the ones who are you know focusing purely on <clears throat> the best outcome for the football club but these administrators Quantuma quite clearly just aren't are they otherwise this would have been solved ages ago because there have been so many parties who have been interested yep. in derby and 
it's ridiculous that I'm saying this. It seems like there needs to be a fit and proper test for administrators now. We've got exactly. a fit and proper test for owners. Now we need one for administrators. And it's because of how awful these guys have been, Justin. Yeah, you're absolutely spot on. Um, I mean, there will be some that slip through the net, as they do with the AFL fit and proper persons test. But you're absolutely spot on. And I'm surprised that this hasn't been the case, given that Wigan's administrators said, oh, they should build a statue of us outside the ground because of what we've been able to do. It's just completely astounding that there's this weird arrogance amongst them, that they they see themselves as saviours, when actually... they're completely the opposite Um, and they get paid a lot of money for it which is again absolutely astounding but what's important here is um, that football fans are made aware of this situation because like I've said any any club that goes into this position and I imagine there will be some unfortunately over the next couple of years because of just how on the brink football clubs are run but when you've had several interested parties and several bids come into the club and they've been turned away or not engaged with. They are red flags. We all talk about red flags for potential owners like Eric Alonso and Lawrence Bassini, you know, the, the, these weird people who hang around um, failing clubs. But actually there are red flags. There should be red flags for, uh, for administrators as well. And, and Quantuma should have been nowhere near this um, for Derby. Absolutely. So... What is Chris Kirchner's role in this, in this, do you think, Justin? Because obviously he's been the third bit of ages. The administrators have given him so many second chances to get this deal over the line. Um, and it doesn't seem like that's going to happen at this point. So has he got to shed some of the blame for this mess? Well, yeah, absolutely. He's he's strung everybody to this point. You know, we, we were, what is it, with the 5th of May where there was... Derby were rumoured to run out of money, um, which was the last game of the season on the 6th of May. Um, And Chris Kirchner came in and said, no, don't have to worry about that. I will be paying the wages. Obviously, it's been reported now that Chris Kirchner hasn't paid the wages. Other parties have, whoever they may be. Um, But yeah, Chris Kirchner has to take the blame because I say that he's, he's strung Derby to this point where we're in extra time when it comes to, um, Derby's survival, essentially. Um, and Derby need, Derby need more time, but they don't have it. Pre-season starts in two weeks. There's, there's only five five players contracted to the club beyond the end of the season. Obviously, Wayne Rooney might leave as well, and Liam Rossini is potentially going to Blackpool. So there are a lot of issues here for Derby, and there, there just isn't enough time for them to get another deal over the line because Chris Kirchner has got us to this point, got the club to this point where they don't have any time or any other alternative, which is why I think the administrator is holding out for Kirchner to transfer his money. Well, you speak of alternatives. Sky Sports is saying that other parties are interested, as, as we were just saying. Mike Ashley is one of them, but then there are a couple of others. Um, Andy Appleby and Steve Morgan, is it? The former Wolves yeah. owner. Mm-hmm. Um, they were both part of consortiums, ignoring Ashley for a sec. They were both part of consortiums, but those consortiums now, because Derby didn't, uh, because those parties didn't get for a bit of status, you know, investors have pulled out of yep. the situation there. So whether they'd be able to actually take over the club now is a bit in doubt, which is why this situation has got so very perilous and there's a very real chance now that Derby will go into liquidation. And yep. that would be an absolute tragedy for English football as a whole. People will say, oh, people were, you know, Mel Morris on strings and what have you, but ignore the 
you know, idiots on Twitter for a sec, there's 90% of the fan base who aren't, you know, going on about Mel Morris on strings a few years ago, who won't have a football club to support. And Derby's a massive city, isn't it? It's a massive city with the football club at the heart of it. Mm-hmm. And it may not be there anymore. And that's going to be, it'll be tragic for the city as a whole and for the fans of that football club. Um, but then looking ahead, Justin, let's look on the bright side. What way out do you see for Derby County at this stage? I, I don't know, because the only way out for me, it seems that there has to be some sort of executive order to remove Quantuma f- from the administration process and the EFL takeover. I don't know how possible that is. The government did it for Chelsea. Um, and again, I don't know how possible that is. I'm not I'm not in accountancy law or insolvency law, so I don't know. That seems the most efficient way of getting Derby through a takeover, is removing Quantuma from the process. But at the moment, if that isn't a possibility, then obviously Quantuma have got to decide whether Mike Ashley's bid is viable because he's the only one who's making an upfront cash offer right now. Obviously, Andy Appleby and Steve Morgan have still got to find investors to come up with the money to, to bid for the club. Obviously, if they'd have taken those offers in January, we wouldn't be in this situation. Everybody forgets the Binney family as well. The the US um, billionaires, the American-based billionaires, the Binney family, they had a bid turned down in February and they walked away because Quantuma were taking the piss, basically. Um, but yeah, the, the most logical step right now is to accept Mike Ashley's um, greetings, uh, at the very least, to have then to then have a discussion, but it feels like there's a lot of egos at play here. Mel Morris being one of them, and it just seems that Mel Morris and Quantuma do not want Mike Ashley to be involved with Derby County. Why that is the case, I have no idea. How can you just ignore a billionaire who's got a great track record of getting companies out of <coughs> sticky situations and also has a track record of running football clubs as well? It's incredible that they're just ignoring Mike Ashley, purely because, as you say, it's all down to egos, isn't it? For some reason, the administrators, and side note, Mel Morris too, just seemingly don't want Ashley in charge for some incredulous reason. Why that is the case, just give it to Mike Ashley. He seems like the most sensible option right now, doesn't he? Because he's got the funds already there. Um and it would just make sense for everyone. But the reason why they don't want to seemingly take on Mike Ashley is because he's he doesn't want to pay the the fees that admit that the administrators are charging. Which Who is would? Just mental, is it? <laughs> well, exactly. So fair play to Mike Ashley for you know being stubborn about it. Um, but he seems like the most logical uh, option right now, doesn't it? For many reasons. Um, but I just think Derby fans will take anything at this point, wouldn't they? Not Chris um, Kirchner. Not Chris Kirchner, no, because that's seemingly gone very south very quickly. Um, let's leave that there, shall we, Justin? Let's have a quick break. After that, we'll talk about the manager situations at multiple championship clubs, then finish off with some of the transfers from the past couple of weeks. to the second tier podcast so let's talk about the manager situations at multiple clubs one that we haven't had a chance to talk about yet Justin is Neil Critchley he's left Blackpool to become Aston Villa's assistant coach which completely caught me off guard Justin what what do you think was the thinking for Critchley to do this because it 
It's a strange move, isn't it? I, I don't think anyone can deny that fact. What do you think was the thinking for him behind this? I really don't know. Um, I really don't know because I, I felt like Blackpool could have been playoff contenders next season if they got their recruitment right um, and got in some really good, really good, um, or brought in some good additions. I felt like they could have been playoff contenders under Critchley because there wasn't much that needed tweaking. Defensively, they were they were okay up until sort of the, the final six seven games of the season, um, and they did create a good um, a good amount of chances at every other game. Um, so they were in a, a really good position to build upon that. So yeah, frustrating um, from an outside perspective. But as as for Neil Critchley's motivations or motive to go be assistant boss to to Stephen Gerrard at Aston Villa, I really don't know. I really really don't know because as I say. It felt like an upward trajectory for him and Blackpool were on the cards. But now it seems he's taken a a backward step to maybe go forwards because I feel like this might be a good opportunity for him to get a Premier League job at some point, whether that be through Gerard being sacked to, uh, to later on in the season. I don't know. It's all speculation, but yeah, just a strange one. Really, really strange. It is a strange one. And for me, Neil Critchley was one of the best young managers outside of the Premier League, mm-hmm. maybe even in the country, if, if you're saying best young English managers. Um, so it is a strange move in that respect, but I think it <clears throat> is mostly a financial decision for Critchley because I imagine Villa are offering a fair amount of money for him to go there. And it's probably an amount of money that he's not seen so far in his career, I'm going to assume. Um, and he's probably thinking, well, it's still a very prominent coaching job. And he may very well, he, he's still got the chance to go back into management at some point in his career. Um, whether that's with Aston Villa, I, I doubt it personally. But um, I'd be very surprised if this is the last, if Blackpool is the last managerial job that he has. Um, just because he has done, you know, such a good job with Blackpool. Um, and the chance will come back. Who knows? He, he might not have enjoyed management. For all we know, he it may not be something that was his cup of tea. Probably, maybe he preferred coaching. But, well, well, I think it's one of them where it will, we'll find out eventually what the thinking was behind this. But right now, it's difficult to say, isn't it? Um, it is strange though that Michael Beale has gone from you know Villa assistant coach to QPR manager, and then there's been kind of this triangle, mm-hmm. hasn't there? Yeah. Um, so very odd in that respect. <laughs> Well, the reported replacement for Critley at Blackpool is Derby assistant manager Liam Rosinia, who is apparently uh, set to take over, which I think is a very interesting move, Justin. Yeah, I do as well. He's a, he's an incredibly talented coach. And I'm speaking from um, people I know who work at the club, who uh, are aware of Rosinia's reputation at the club. Very talented coach, very, very well liked. I think Malcolm Ebioe, the only reason why he's interested in staying at Derby is because of his relationship with Rossini and Rooney. Um, but yeah, there, there are many reasons why Rossini is a very good coach. He's very in-depth and analytical in the way he speaks. Obviously, he's got experience with Sky, but in his post-match press, <coughs> press conferences, um, he, yeah, he's, he's very in-depth in, in how he breaks the games down. It's the right philosophy as well. He, he likes to play football. I think a lot of how Derby played last season in his possession-based system, this four-two-three-one, a narrow sort of inverted right wing back. Um, I think that that comes down from Rossini's 
thinking and and Derby put out there with their in club media they put out a monthly um monthly video just capturing the month's performances and a bit of insight into into what happens at the club on a daily basis and there's a lot in there about Rosinha that that makes me think okay he's he's going to go very very far and he's very well rated as well so yeah I think the appointment will be absolutely brilliant whether we have the same impact as Critchley I don't know um, because this would be his first job although he has had under 23s experience. Yeah, whenever you watch Derby and you look to the sidelines where Wayne Rooney is standing, you see Liam, you see Liam Rosinha being the one who's barking out instructions all the time. Um, so it, it's always difficult to tell when you've got uh, an assistant <clears throat> coaches, um, you know, so close to the manager, who which one is doing what job. But it seems like Rosinha is certainly taking up a large chunk of the burden when it comes to you know making decisions, tactical tweaks, and what have you. So. I think it's a really interesting move. I, I've always rated Liam Rosinha as a coach. I think he's always been one of them who would, would step up as manager eventually. So I'm very interested to see how he does because he is a very highly rated coach. Um, and Blackpool, you know, they took the risk with Critchley before. They've taken a risk with Rosinha. I don't see any reason why it wouldn't work out. So let's wait and see. Now, we spoke about this one last week, Justin, but... Michael Beale is the new boss at QPR. Just quickly as a recap, what did you make of that move? Yeah, I think it's a, a good move. Um, I think I mentioned the style of play, whether that be high pressing, the way Stephen Gerrard has set the teams up. And again, it's a bit like Rossini and Rooney, Jody Morris, Frank Lampard, um, Beale and Stephen Gerrard. It's very much the assistant does all the planning and the coaching and what have you. So Michael Beale is very well equipped to, to instill that style of play into QPR. And I think it should be the... It's a progressive move um, for for QPR in the sense that they will be a little bit direct, but in the way they press, the way they attack teams, way they the way they go for um, the way they turn over possession. So yeah, I think it's a good move. It's a smart move, and um, it could have been it could have been a lot worse for QPR with some of the names that were touted. So yeah, they got a good one in Michael Beale compared to the rest. Now, Burnley have been seemingly close to appointing Vincent Company as their new manager for weeks now, but it's still not over the line yet. I think the problem is over a work permit, but we'll talk about this properly, Justin, once it's actually been confirmed, um, because it just doesn't seem to have gotten anywhere for a long time now. Uh, but Blackburn Rovers still do not have a manager, Justin. It's been a full month since they announced that Tony Mowbray would be leaving. Latest reports are saying that interviews have been completed. Ronnie Dyler, the former Celtic manager, was one of those who was reportedly being linked with the job, but he's now moved on elsewhere. So he's one person who's been taken out of the equation. But ignoring all that for a second, Justin, I find it mental that they still don't seem to be any closer to appointing a new manager. Sure, interviews have been done, but surely they, they should have had someone, you know, in discussions with getting appointed at this point, shouldn't they? Well, both Burnley and Blackburn are in a position that no other team has been in um, throughout the top two leagues anyway, and in the sense that they've known since at least mid-April that there's going to be a change of manager because Mowbray wasn't going to sign a new deal and Sean Dyche was sacked and Michael Duff said he didn't want the Burnley job full-time. So they've, they've known for a long time that, um, that this is going to be the case. But for Blackburn... Um, I think they're making changes upstairs. Obviously, Greg Broughton's coming as sporting director or director of football, whatever his title is. He's, he's going to be running the football side of things, which is going to obviously impact the the next appointment. And I think some of the links we've seen, Ronnie Dyler, um, I think it's Nurtson, um, the, the 
the Bodo Glint, I probably butchered that, the Norwegian team who have excelled in Europe recently. Mm-hmm. He's the head coach there. And John Dahl, John Dahl Thomason as well, the ex-AC Milan striker. So there's this three Scandinavian links there. And obviously Greg Broughton's worked over in Scandinavia. So I think there's going to be some some impact there. And I, th- I would expect appointment probably in the next few days from Blackburn at the time of recording. So at least there moving forwards, whereas Burnley, bit of a mess. Yeah, you, you mentioned ex-AC Milan striker, ex-Newcastle striker as well, Justin, come on now. I don't, I don't remember that. It's all AC sure. Milan, John. John Dahl Thomason's AC Milan for me. It was late 90s. Um, <laughs> but the, the Bodder Glimt's manager, um, I think he'd be a fantastic appointment because people who look at analytics a lot more than me um, always harp on about how good a manager that guy is. Whether that's actually going to happen or not, don't know. But um, if it does, that would be a serious, serious Coop. appointment. Coop. Absolutely. Let's go to transfers then, Justin, and stick with the theme of Blackburn because multiple reports say defender Darrell Lenahan is set to join Middlesbrough. He's going to be a free agent when his deal ends this summer. What a <laughs> signing that is for Middlesbrough, Justin. It's incredible, isn't it? It, it strikes me a bit of the John Egan signing for when he went to Sheffield United. It's it's a piece in the puzzle that is very much needed. You know, Daryl Lenahan's a very good defender. Might be doing him a disservice by saying he's a head it and kick it kind of guy, but he's a he's a leader, he's an organizer, similar to John Egan in that sense. Um and he's gonna fit very nicely into that central position in that back three that Middlesbrough will probably deploy under Wilder. So yeah, it's a really good signing. And as I say, he's a captain and a leader, which is something that um that, that Middlesbrough will need to put into their squad. And yeah, it's it's an easy one, isn't it, for us to assess because anybody who signs Darren Lenahan this summer for a free transfer has got a player who probably would have cost you six, seven million pounds. Yeah, and I thought he was going to go to a Premier League side, quite yeah. frankly. That's how good a signing it is because he was one of the best centre-halves in the division last season and now a back three of McNair, Fry oh and Lenahan. <laughs> that, is, that, that is going to be so difficult for Clean sheet to break city. down. Oh, absolutely. Um, And then when you consider the fact they've also been linked with the likes of Dwight Gale and Cameron Archer in recent weeks, Middlesbrough this is. Um, And we were talking about how they needed just a striker who could score at least 15 goals in a season. It's all coming together very well for Middlesbrough in the early weeks of this transfer window. And that's why I'm so hot on them having a good chance of finishing in the top two next season. Because if the early signs of this transfer window are an early indication of how things are going to go, it's going very well. Footy Insider says Jed Spence is in advanced talks to sign for Spurs. How do you think he'll do there, Justin? Do you think he'd go straight into the team? I don't. I don't think he would. Um, listen, I, we've we've talked up Jed Spence a lot, and quite right, he's been absolutely magnificent this season. But this has been his breakout season, um, so it feels like he needs another one. So whether Spurs sign him and then they loan him out, I don't know. Because you look at Ryan Sessegnon, for example, who went to Spurs with a big reputation and has struggled. Um, now, I'm not saying Jed Spence will do the same, but it's it's just always with a little bit of caution with young players who go for big fees, not to expect too much of them. Um, so I'd expect him to, to go into Spurs and be a bit of a squad player or be loaned out. That That's that's my approach to um, handling uh, younger players for, yeah, pretty much. In that case, do you think he'd have been better off going to someone like Forrest, for example, where he's guaranteed to be playing Premier League football every single week? Maybe, but you are in a worse, not worse team, you're in a team that isn't 
of the same quality as as Spurs, for example. So perhaps you get exposed a lot more. But at the same time, that might get a lot more out of you. You look at Kyle Walker, who had loan spells at Aston Villa at QPR, um, and that helped him no end. And obviously, he then got into the Spurs team and excelled. So that might be a case of probably learning Jed Spence out, maybe to Forest, maybe to another Premier League club, and then seeing how he does, and then assessing the situation either in in January or at the end of the season. But I I would prefer him to go to someone like Forest, where he's going to be tested a lot more because of the quality of player. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he needs a full season of Premier League football, playing regularly, and I don't really see that happening at Spurs. Um, and Forrest, for me, would be the obvious situation there because he knows the club, he knows how Steve Cooper works, and Steve Cooper's a fantastic manager and makes players better than they were before. Mm. Um, and if there is one criticism you could point at Spence, it's the defensive side of his game. I think that's the one aspect where he needs to improve because going forwards, he's so good. Um and where you're playing in a forest side who will be on the back foot quite a lot next season, that will help his defensive side of his game. So I'd like to see him in a forest shirt next season, whether that's permanently or on loan from Spurs, not sure. But I think that would be best for his career um, and also best for Forest as well, because it fills <laughs> a gap for them having you know one of their best players back from last season. Bristol City have signed Kane Wilson. From Forest Green, the 22-year-old right wing-back was named in the League te- League Two team of the season. Uh, any thoughts there, Justin? Yeah, this is an excellent signing. Uh, it really is. He's, he offers so much from that right wing-back position. And um, for Bristol City to pick him up, along with Mark Sykes, there's a lot more chance creation there for, a, for an attack that was extraordinary last season yeah, I don't think they, I don't think I'm going to mince my words about that <clears throat> so for me I at this point in time one or two more players and I would put Bristol City into the top half if I, if we were to make league predictions outsiders for a top six push their recruitment has been brilliant so far this season they still need to make a lot of signings for me before you start looking at that kind of part of the table <laughs> but it, it does massively help them because they had to you know they were deploying Alex Scott at right wing back um, last season, weren't they? And yeah. he's much better in midfield for me. So that's one problem solved with this signing. Um, you look at the defence; they've obviously got Naismith, but the defence has been was the real issue, wasn't it, last season? Because they could not defend for love nor money. <laughs> so getting a Naismith, um, playing Atkinson alongside him, um, they still need another centre half for me and another left back for me as well. Um, but then that solves to go somewhere to solve in the defensive problem but I think they also need a midfielder too so they still need to bring in a few more players before um, I start looking higher up the table for them for me um, Callum O'Dowda has joined Cardiff it's after his contract expired at Bristol City Justin any thoughts on that one? I don't know why but this was a really predictable transfer I just if, if you were to link um, anybody with Cardiff City it would have been Callum O'Dowda but he fills a huge gap um from an attacking point of view, Joel Bagan was brilliant towards the end of um, towards the end of last uh, the season just gone. So where Callum Adalda fits in is interesting, depending on obviously what formation Steve Morrison wants to deploy. But it's a good signing because you've got a good technical player there. It's just whether his fitness fitness issues are behind him. If they are, that's a plus. At twenty eight though, it is now or never for Adalda because he's got to fulfil that potential at some point, hasn't he? I'm really not sure about this move because you've got to remember it's been a long time since we saw Calamo Dowder play 
well multiple times in a Bristol yeah, City yeah. shirt. And I don't think any Bristol City fan was particularly asked about him going, to be honest. <laughs> so it's interesting that Cardiff have signed him. Um, I suppose it adds a player to the squad because their squad was looking very thin. Um but otherwise, I would have not been surprised to see him drop down to League One because I think that would have been a logical next step for him considering he's not really done it at championship level, a, a lower championship side at that as well. So, yeah, interesting move. Don't really see him pulling up many trees in a Cardiff shirt, though, but I could be wrong. And finally, Swansea have announced the double signing of Nathan Wood from Middlesbrough and Wasiri Williams. The 22-year-old centre-back Williams has played in non-league for the last few seasons, but Wood... That's a surprising signing because he's been quite highly rated at Middlesbrough, Justin. Yeah, it's a, it is a surprise. I know he's been out on loan. He was on uh, on loan at Hibs as well. So, <clears throat> so for him to to be picked up by Swansea, I think it's a it's a it's a good signing. Um, but did you say he was twenty two? Yes. So oh, he's, Wood. He's probably, no, sorry, yeah. that's Williams. Uh, Woods oh, has okay. been playing for England under eighteens. Oh Christ! Yeah, then that's a good signing. Then sorry, I thought I thought you said he was twenty-two, um, but actually, you know, if he's younger than that, then, then wow, it's a really good signing. I'm surprised, but we're parted with him. Um, yeah, he's 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 a fast defender. He's comfortable with the ball at his feet. Um, so I think he's yeah, that's a really interesting pickup. They do need experience at the back, but as far as um, as far as good squad players to develop go, Nathan Wood's probably going to be up there. Yeah, I've just checked. He's 20 um, and he was on loan at Crewe um, the season before last and mm-hmm. at Hibs last season, but he didn't really play for Hibs. So there's obviously a, a player with lots of talent there um, because he was very highly rated at Middlesbrough and got a, a few games under his belt for the first team um, and has played at England's youth level many times. But uh, we'll wait and see on that one. There's no point to talking about it too much because I'm not sure he's going to feature regularly for Swansea next season um, but there we go ladies and gentlemen this has been a roundup of the news in the championship from the past couple of weeks we'll be back again on Thursday for free agent tinder always one of my favourite episodes of the year Justin so we'll be back again on Thursday to go through all the best free agents on the market and talk about which kind of clubs they should be looking to sign for this summer but otherwise thank you for listening to this episode of the second tier podcast and as I say we'll be back again on Thursday I've been Ryan Dilks I've been Justin Peach thank you for listening